I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our patrons, this is your extended ad-free version of this week's show. And if you're not yet a patron but would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts, live streaming and access to our Discord Members Club, head to patreon.com forward slash UK Tech and find out how you can support us with zero commitment and instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows. Welcome to everyone listening to us live this week. We've got quite a posse here in Discord. We've got a few new faces. Welcome to you all. And we've also got Inky, who is our latest patron, helping us reach one extra patron at the end of this month than we had last month so great to have you with us inky i'm assuming that's a pseudonym but if not i apologize for offending you it's a lovely name reminds me of pens let's climb into our highly tuned very expensive formula one car and zoom around this week's racetrack of technology news Uh, google has announced it will suspend advertisements related to ireland's may 25th abortion referendum sparking an angry response from anti-abortion activists who said the move would hurt them the most according to reuters this week the policy change came a day after facebook said it would no longer accept ads from outside the country that seek to influence the referendum reuters said that google went one step further though and that it would not accept any ads related to the referendum, not just those from groups or individuals seeking to sway the vote. Uh, Google's policy change will be effective from the 10th of May, uh, and that includes YouTube ads. It will remain in place until after the referendum. Now, this to me feels like it's the result of fears over election rigging in general. Um, but here's the question. Do we do we want huge international companies deciding what can and can't be advertised like this? You know, for the record, and I think it's fair to be on the record for about this, you know, I'm entirely in favour of women's right to choose what to do with their bodies and therefore would be happy to see abortion uh, permitted. Um, but at the same time, I'm also deeply in favour of democracy and fairness and, and believe that anti-abortionists have a right to advertise their cause um, as much as uh, the side that I would personally support as well. So is this, do you think, Ian, this is fear of any kind of backlash that a vote could have been swayed because of a tech company? This is perfectly normal. I think what you see when um, when there's a big sort of policy change or uh, the notion that the, the establishment isn't happy with uh, the way things are going, I feel like um, there's always a bit of s- sort of swinging around. So you might see them try this and then realise it doesn't work and then go back to allowing it. Um, <clears throat> like you, I've absolutely no problem with the idea of, you know, with, with people being able to run ads about political matters. Uh, I just feel like they should be accountable for that. And I think that's, uh, I think we've managed this pretty well in the past. The internet makes it very difficult, um, but the election rules in the UK uh, before the internet was a thing were, were, were quite robust. Everyone got the same amount of time on TV. They got to make their point. You know, uh, party political broadcasts were dreadful, but they they were that each 
broadcaster gave a certain amount of time for each political party that had a certain number of uh, you know members or whatever. Mm. Uh, and I mean, it, it's always going to be harder with a referendum uh, because obviously the point of a referendum is that they're they're obviously going to come up more often. I mean, I'm now obviously completely anti all referendums except this one is sort of an important one and like you i agree entirely that the that, that's that the vote should get it's yes isn't it because they're repealing a law um so but you know and obviously like you i i have no worries with people you know running ads on on the counter argument as well but i suspect the only way to manage it is to say, okay, uh, you've all got to focus your advertising spend in one place. Like, you know, you, you've each got to have a front for this cause. And then you must both put, you know, that. And then we've, we can track exactly how much money is being spent. And uh, we won't accept ads from anyone except the official leads of those things. So, for example, it's it, one of the problems that we had with Vote Leave and Leave, all the other Vote Leave things was that they were claimed to be separate entities. And as it, as, it, as it turned out, that a couple of them were actually not, and in fact they were based in the same office. Um, so <clears throat> that, is a, that is an issue. You, um, you know, if you're going to have rules about spending on these things, and I don't know if that applies to this particular referendum because it's Irish law, not UK law, uh, but, you know, I still think it's the same basic fundamental problem. Stephen Huxtable in the chat said that people are pretty set in their views and opinions um, and, at, you know, battling on advertising isn't isn't yeah. going to change that either way. Um, he says the belief, the belief that when we see an ad, we're immediately swayed is ludicrous. It's true. But I think that when you ban officially ban or or just don't permit ads in in some form you're you're opening the door to maybe more subversive advertising yes whether that's on the part of an official body or an activist group that's been well funded and so i i think it, it's this it's this whole thing of if you um if you tell a, a teenager not to do something or a child they're more likely to then want to go and do that something and so if you at least permit something you can encourage people to play by the same rules. And so it, it kind of harms everybody when access to information is being is being inhibited in, in some way. No, but this isn't information, is it, really? I, I, I sort of feel like, and this is, this is a, good, a good example of where governments let people down, it, it should be possible for a government to, 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 to sort of do, you know, to have, present information in a... Uh, in an unbiased way, so they could say, Hit, "Right, okay, so here's here are the reasons that uh, people think that we should allow abortion for X, Y, Z, you know, for a certain amount of time. Here are the reasons that people don't believe that. You know, here's your information, kind of thing. And I don't, and I'm not averse to the idea of information at all, but it's the, the ads have to be condensed down. And what we're starting to see is a, is a sort of shift towards that." American idea that you don't have to tell the truth in a in a in an ad, so to speak. You know, you can say you can launch an attack against the other people. Now, those are it, again. It all goes back into that kind of. It's not necessarily that you're making people change their mind. It's not. It doesn't like I agree. It doesn't really work like that. But that over time, you could make someone believe that if they didn't have a strong feeling either way you could make them lean one way or the other and that's like what else that's what al is saying in the chat room as well that they they add up over time and nick 
uh, Gessman said that if ads didn't have an impact, there wouldn't be so much money spent on them, which yeah, is which exactly. is also a very good point. And, and TV advertising has been proved time and time again to be very effective. Internet advertising, I, I think the jury is a little bit still out on the whole thing, um, but there must be results being got because you know otherwise Google's making billions. Win. Yeah, um, I mean certainly, I think I feel like we're definitely getting to the point now where the it, it's it is advertising is definitely going down the video and influencer route where you've got someone who seems independent but they are paid to say something now that in tech generally means um someone gets given a samsung galaxy s9 and uh, they've also been given a big part of money to do something exciting with it and they do it and it looks like normal content but actually the, the truth is that it's it's advertorial it's paid um, and it's complicated because obviously the rules are that that has to be disclosed. Some people don't bother with that. Some people do, and it's all the same thing. It's it's it, when we had broadcast media, the rules were very very strict, and there wasn't really any way round it. Um, and it, the expense was so great that you wouldn't just have anyone chancing their luck. Excuse me. These days, it's it's possible for anyone to fund a small but targeted campaign. So it's more clever than a TV ad, which is just you know. You can't. You're, you mustn't be allowed to kill babies, etc. For example, which is an emotive thing to say. I've rarely seen that advertised on TV. I know, I know, and but you know, but but it, it is it is a language thing, right? And on the internet, there's no restriction at all of what you can say or show. And if you hit, you know, vulnerable people who are, you know, I, I don't know, maybe let's say for example, new mums. And you uh, and you you target them with advertising about you know using emotive language like killing babies. Then you you know you might find you can sway enough of the vote to make a meaningful difference. As it happens, I suspect this vote isn't going to be anywhere anywhere close. And I think that yes, will win and they'll repeal the law. But you know, it, again, we're in a time now, aren't we, where <laughs> this stuff doesn't have an easy answer and we're struggling to find it. If you are in the ownership of an opinion or if you reckon something, uh, why not tell us what you reckon? Hello at techpodcast.uk. We'll be very interested to hear your views on this for next week's show. Ian, it's brilliant news. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant news. We get to finally talk about light amplification by stimulated emission of radiation, commonly known by lesser folk as lasers. Um, that is that is because the ban on shining lasers at cars and aeroplanes has been strengthened with a five-year prison sentence now available for those who train their laser pointers on ships, aircraft, or air traffic control towers, according to... The Register this week. A UK government statement as the Laser Misuse Brackets Vehicles End Brackets Act gained royal assent said, Under the new law, it is a crime to shine or direct a laser beam that dazzles or distracts or is likely to dazzle or distract air traffic controllers, pilots, captains of boats and drivers of road vehicles. Now, uh, the Register wrote uh, that the Act builds on previous laws that made this illegal but did not include the need for prosecutors to prove that the person shining the laser intended to endanger a vehicle. Uh, it also lengthens the available prison sentence to five years uh, and uh, or an unlimited fine. Uh, previously, I think the legislation allowed for a fine up to two and a half thousand pounds and potential prosecution for reckless engage- uh, endangerment, which carried a potential prison time. So they're ramping all this up in terms of possible fines and prison time, um, which surprises me in a sense, because I, I thought this this wasn't really a major issue anymore, but apparently it still is. The government said that in 2017, 
um, UK airports alone reported just under a thousand laser incidents um, to the Civil Aviation Authority, the most affected airport being Heathrow, uh, which last year had 107 incidents, followed by Gatwick, Manchester and Birmingham, uh, with slightly fewer each. Um, So it's still a problem, and the law wasn't stopping that problem from being a problem. And so now the problem is being addressed with steeper fines and prison time all over freaking laser beams Ian, um have yes. you ever shone a laser beam into a plane no but i have shone one um on a dance floor in a nightclub in kingston about f- 20 years ago were there any pilots on that floor not as far as i know were there any operators of boats or boat like machinery no not that's not as far as i know all all i might have done was um cause someone to you know miss a miss a track or you know like you know scratch something um basically i was up high on a balcony in a drinks bar area and i shot it on the dj's head he was he was bald uh, and it just seemed like an an impossible challenge to resist really what if that laser though had bounced off his shiny head and hit a plane well uh that's what roofs are for what if, and in fact, Al Struthers in the chat room pos- uh, posits this suggestion, what if it emanates from a shark's head? Does the shark go to prison? Now, this could be interpreted in two ways. Either it's a shark with a laser attached to its head, and it is doing yeah. the pointing, albeit um, unintentionally. Sharks with freaking laser beams. Precisely. Or what if it's a very shiny shark, and someone shoots a laser at the shark, but the laser bounces off the shiny shark's head and hits a plane? I don't want to be honest here. This is ridiculous because sharks don't mm. have the ability to put lasers on their own heads. So it's always going to be a human to blame. So there's always going to be humans that go to jail. And if they're the ones putting lasers on sharks' heads, then they will go to jail. Uh, Also, uh, lasers probably would be too badly attenuated by water, uh, which would mean the shark would need to come to the surface. And that's not traditional shark behavior, is it? It's not. I mean, I'm not an expert in in sharks or sharking uh, or, or general shark culture. In fact, it's <laughs> it's one of my greatest failings in sharking. life is to uh, it, you know to keep up to date with the current um, trends in uh, the undertow of the currents. Um, however, I've just put shark <laughs> sharking into uh, to Google. Typically, uh-huh. a man at a social gathering be in pursuit of a sexual partner. Really. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was laughing at you saying sharking. Huh, that's horrific. That sounds <laughs> it's very predatory. Mm. I'm not sure I agree with that. In fact, I, that's the I don't agree with term, that. Isn't it? Mm, possibly. Um, speaking of sharking, do you remember Sharky and George? Yes, I think so. Yes, they didn't have lasers. They seemed to do okay. I'm not quite sure what the point of this conversation was. Um, well, I no, was... I mean I agree with the idea that people should go to prison uh, if they do that because you're basically putting the lives of as many as 500 people at risk, aren't you? If you shine your light into a, a, laser, a laser into a pilot's eyes, you know, they, they could have an accident. It's unlikely, of course, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's no reason to be doing it, is there? No, and there's also the, the you know, the defence said it was an accident. You know, like It's now... never an accident. How could it be an accident? Well, let's say it's dark, which it is half the day, uh, depending on the time of year, of course, uh, and I'm outside and I'm playing with my cat which does happen on occasion. <laughs> and I'm using a laser pen to yes. produce a red dot on the floor 
yeah. to encourage him to lose some weight and run around the garden yeah. and maybe crash into a bird table, you know, which hasn't yet happened. But just as I'm getting really engaged and animated into this play with with uh, with Robin, um, I slip on a snail and fall on my back, but my finger, yeah. my hand clenches up as if to you know to help bolster me and protect me from hitting the floor and therefore the laser stays on and my hand as i fall backwards points upwards and hits a 737 okay so i think that it's very unlikely that you would be in possession of a laser strong enough to cause a problem to that uh jet so who is possessing lasers strong enough to do this to a jet well people who've bought them off those chinese sites or whatever they are and um or you know any any marketplace anywhere in the world in fact uh and and for some reason feels that they need an industrial strength laser in their arsenal of things that they must mess about with in the garden um you were not talking about laser pointers class devices here we're talking about strong lasers designed um well not designed to but more than capable of easily blinding someone i suppose and, that's that's um, true in the case of planes but but this you know in in, in on roads and in bus drivers eyes yeah, for sure. example this 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 yeah. could affect that and i mean i remember when i was uh, you know a lot younger and laser pens became the thing you know the thing to get banned is around the time of the power rangers and the tamagotchi um and the laser pens were being used to blind bus drivers and i mean firstly you know raises a huge question why what is the point i mean there's anarchy and there's just pointlessness um but but they still exist those types of laser pen you can buy them from market stores for a pound yeah 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 so they are still available and i think that the awareness of the damage they can do maybe has lessened over the years uh, i don't think this law necessarily raises the awareness there but i do wonder if um if we're heading down a, a route where the uh you know the, the pens themselves are going to be restricted for sale once again and, and banned you know or be sold only I mean- to over 18s yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't mind if uh, if they only sell them to over 18s, and I'm not, I'm not absolutely saying that you can't have a laser for fun. I mean, honestly, I, I don't like the idea of stopping people from having fun if they're going to be able to do it in a, in a way that doesn't endanger people. But the people who are shining lasers at people, like drivers and plane pilots, and he said plane drivers, then um, they, they are, they're they're seeking to cause problems. Um, in the same way that morons that fly drones near aircraft uh, or you know air, air, airports are the same, uh, I, I you just you have to be a kind of moron, and I think having a good stiff prison sentence as a possibility will probably dissuade people from being chuckleheads. Ian Morris officially a fan of fun. You've heard it here first, everybody. Uh, I'm going to put that in my Twitter profile, mate. Yes, FOF. fun. Yeah, FOF. I'm going to get you a badge that says FOF on it. For... That's, a, that's a little in-joke there from, uh, from Nate and I. Nate's pet peeve is people who enjoy fun. Oh, yes, on dating profiles, yes. I or, like... or, or, or anywhere, I mean, yes. you know, because it's such a re- redundant thing to say, isn't it? Yes, I am. I like fun. I'm only looking for misanthropes and anarchists. Um, well, if you are a misanthrope, an anarchist, um, or have shined a laser into the eyes of someone operating heavy machinery, um, firstly, if you are the latter, you're a moron. Uh, but let us know why you did it. Um, and if you're not, but have an opinion on laser pens in general, whether we need legislation for this sort of thing, do we need to impose stricter bans on the sale of these devices? Um, 
then that would be an interesting point of debate as well. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Ian, I want to talk some about something quickly uh, because about a week ago I asked my HomePod to tell me when my <laughs> first meeting the next morning was, and uh, it said that it couldn't do that. And I wanted to reply, "You cost nearly four hundred pounds. How can you not tell me what my first meeting is tomorrow?" Then I realised that it wasn't smart enough to know that question either, and it really underscored to me a fundamental problem with with the HomePod. And when I saw that this week the HomePod may be gaining calendar support when iOS 11.4 comes out, it just reminded me how behind the times this product still manages to be, um, which is a real shame for people who have one because it sounds amazing, but it is pretty dumb. And I just wondered if you had uh, had any thoughts on, on this, like how, how something so basic can be absent from such an expensive and you know supposedly smart product. Uh, you know what? I don't. I don't understand Apple's strategy with AI and and the and the voice assistants. They are nowhere near as good at this point as they probably should be. Right? The HomePod for me is is not a smart speaker. It's a good quality sound speaker. Um, it's the kind of thing. It, it sort. It sits more in the nice Bluetooth speaker category than it ever will in the smart speaker thing. The smart speaker stuff is an is an advantage. Um, and works well like so many Apple products do if you exist very much in the Apple ecosystem. In the same way, it's much easier to stream, you know, from an iPhone to an Apple TV. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's the same thing. It it is encouraging you to invest in the ecosystem. And I don't... The HomePod for me is a product that I would very much like to have a house full of them because I think it sounds amazing. So I'm always surprised that Apple doesn't make Siri more cunning um, but I, I wonder if there's a reason for it. I wonder if they're just sort of feeling like actually it's not what people want, um, and maybe they've they've done enough research to know that there there is a point at which people just don't like AI. Well, I mean, when I when I when I was speaking to Apple at the time this was uh, being released, and I had a demo um, at, at their offices, they you know I, I asked why it can't do more, and they said that it can do the things that Siri is most popular for doing on the iPhone, which makes sense. But to not do calendars, I mean, it, to me, that is that is the standout, that's the poster child for a failing, um, and, it's, and it's a shame. But the reason I wanted to raise this is not specifically because I wanted to spend three minutes whinging about a, a product that many people don't even own. It's that, you know, if you do have one of these, whether it's a HomePod or whether it's an Amazon Echo or similar, you know, what are you using it for generally? I'm, I'm really curious to get a sense of what people actually use these products for because we're told that they're used, um, you know, to be able to book Ubers and to read us the news and to tell us, you know, what laser stands for or to subscribe to text message, which you should all do. Um, but, you know, my experience is, is that nine times out of ten when I ask it something, it can't do it. And the things that I do want it to do tend to be time food cooking uh, and reading yeah. me the news. I do do that a lot on the HomePod. I ask it to read me the headlines. That's that's a nice feature. Um, but that's sort of about it. There's not really a great deal else. And there's a ton that it could do. 
I, I have a feeling that people probably, at least some people probably feel very much like me, that I don't actually trust um, Amazon's products or, or Apple's products to order me a pizza uh, without ballsing the thing up. Um, and, I, you know, like the Uber thing I've never used because mostly I don't order Ubers when I'm at home. I order you Ubers don't need to. Out. You just order a police car and they just... Take you somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have a lot of police cars around here. You're going to struggle with that when you come to edit it. No, I'm not. It's, it's, no, that's why it I made it. No, it's why I made a joke no, about it. Okay. Um, yes. So um, yeah. So I, I have a I have a real sort of issue with the things that could cost me money. I don't like having them on um, a smart device. Honestly, it's bad enough that um, the way you subscribe to the um, Echo only um, Amazon Music service is by saying to the thing, uh, subscribe to the Amazon Music, and it just does it. Yeah. I don't like that kind of stuff. I'm, maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I'm definitely going to have to come to peace with the idea that I'm old enough now to start hating technology. Well, the chat room's talking about uh, using it to get the weather, uh, for times, for uh, uh, for timers rather, for tube status, playing music, uh, status of work commute, converting metric to imperial um things like that you know none of these are real you know they're not really things that we need a device like that for it's not really doing as a a great service that we can't do on you know a billion other devices we've got around the house so if anyone else out there is is using it for something genuinely innovative something what if you got rid of it or if it stopped working or they switched off the service you'd really miss you know what are those what are those features? Um, let us know any thoughts uh, so we can talk about this again next week. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Well, finally, Ian, and everyone who plays text message bingo, prepare to take the biggest swallow of the show. We're going to talk about UK broadband speeds. Uh, that's because there has been <laughs> a mod. The sw- it's only the biggest swallow, though, if uh, if I, my mic breaks halfway through. Yeah, well, we'll see. There has been a marked improvement in home broadband, according to an annual survey by the UK telecommunications watchdog Ofcom. This is according to the BBC this week. Ofcom said that the average fixed line download speeds rose by 28% over the year and is now at 46.2 megabits per second uh, as an average, while uploads gained nearly 50%, nearly 50%, to a whopping 6.2 megabits per second. Still pathetic, but 44% better than the pathetic total last year. Um, Ofcom added that the typical household now consumed 190 gigabytes of data a month. That's the average. Typical household average, 190 gigabytes, quarter of a terabyte almost. Uh, and in, lo- in large part, that's to do with streaming uh, streaming media services, of course. Uh, and finally, rural consumers are still lagging behind, but we actually get some figures now. In urban areas, 59% of connections delivered an average speed uh, over 30 megabits per, sec- uh, per second during peak rates. But in u- rural areas, only 23% of connections... Uh, surpassed that speed over the same hours well over half fell below 10 megabits per second which is still far below the national average so ian i'll let you get a word in edgeways or otherwise dealer's choice what? go for it um i mean no it's, it's it's all good news right that's great more insight from ian morris fan of fun and, and fact finder next week go on um 
uh, interesting to see that uh, upload speeds have increased by a larger percentage, although still very slow. Yes, uh, upload speed has to be addressed. Uh, that's going to be the, that's going to be my next thing. I think is is getting upload speeds to be a bit more in line with download speeds because it's becoming so important um, for, from a you know an internet perspective that you know we no longer live in a world that is asymmetrical do we 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 live in a world where we're probably pumping out nearly as much stuff as we're consuming um i'm thinking for example about the sheer volume of photographs that i take um i'd like my photographs all to be um backed up onto amazon because it's free for photographs even raw photographs which is amazing um and uh so i you know and, and if you take a lot of photographs you know that could be hundreds of gigs you know, a month or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by that 190 gigabytes average because um, I had to reinstall um, Windows, uh, the Windows gaming platform, uh, which uses Windows Store to deliver games to you. Uh, there's two games I own on there: Forza Horizon and Forza Horizon Three, and um, Gears of War Four. Uh, Gears of War is 112 gigabytes as a download mm. and Forza is 60 and they both broke on my computer at exactly the same time uh, so uh, you know so that immediately <laughs> puts me basically near the near the average um, and I had to download them both I think probably twice because they couldn't be fixed uh, and add to that you know destiny you get a patch that could be five gig I mean honestly that the idea that people are not down anymore I mean I, I know what I know they get derive an average from actual numbers but it just it just makes me laugh um but you know it's it, it is pretty good news I'm rural is again an issue we're always going to have to talk about because you know that the, the money the, the issue is investment and it's not possible in rural areas is it well it's not as easy to certainly well, no no I mean, there's no incentive for a private company to do it and if the government isn't going to get involved uh, then, but then it's going to stay like that, isn't it? You can't, you can't have the both pieces of cake. If if that's an expression, which it most certainly isn't. No, I mean I, I've I've heard the expression and and despise it that you can't have your cake and eat it too. Two problems yes. with that. Number one, if I've got a cake, I've obviously yes. done something to earn a cake or deserve one. So mm-hmm. why shouldn't I eat it? Number two, yes. eating a cake isn't binary. You can eat some cake and have yes. some cake remaining. That's and true. most people don't eat a whole cake at the same, at, you know, in one go anyway. So there's absolutely no reason why you cannot have your cake, eat some of it, and and yes. wrap some in cling film for a later date. It's not as catchy as saying, but it's factually much closer to the truth. You know. Yes, it 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 needs. They need to come up with a new expression, don't they? Yeah. Uh, you can't you, you can't have a cat and not have a cat. No, you can't have a cat and eat a cat. No, that doesn't work. If you know uh, famous physicist uh, Schrodinger and his famous <laughs> cat, simply let us know, or don't let us know. Uh, or both let us know and don't let us know. Exactly. If you are held in a quantum superposition and feel like uh, exploiting that for the benefit of email, uh, do so by sending it in whatever way you wish. Hello at techpodcast.uk. Specifically, though, I think it'd be interesting to see if anyone knows the amount of data that they use on average every month. I know for a fact that mine's over a terabyte, um, mm. according to Virgin Media. So maybe you guys can all call up your providers and see if they'll tell you uh, how much you've been using and uh, why you think that is. Let's uh, swerve around this chicane into our feedback section. Uh, hopefully not crashing into any emailer-ins. Doesn't really work at all, that. 
but we'll leave it hanging there like a bad smell. Uh, we've got a couple of emails that came in after our request for comments about Xiaomi phones. We've had one from Charlie and one from Dragos. I'm going to get first to Charlie's. He says, Hi there, Nathan Ian. I've been using a Xiaomi phone, uh, a Xiaomi phones since 2014 when I bought one by chance whilst in China. The Redmi range of phones were and still are amazing value. I bought my first one for £100. The only issue I have with Xiaomi phones is its operating system UI, MIUI, uh, which is, he says, uh, very much designed for the Chinese market. Uh, it also has a permission system that seems to be based on the Great Firewall of China, confusing and often seemingly impregnable. However, last year, this will change with the release of the Mi A1, an Android One phone that was incredible value. He says six months after the release, it cost £140 on eBay. The cameras are always just okay, poor in low light uh, or for video. And Xiaomi ran a survey on their forum to see if users preferred MIUI or stock Android, and the results came back overwhelmingly in favour of stock Android. Um, so it's pretty obvious that MIUI was designed to look like the iPhone. This may come back to bite them um, when they try and move into the US market. Uh, regards, Charlie. Uh, very interesting, and it mirrors what we what we heard from Dragos, who wrote in and said, Hi, Nathan Ian. Long-time listener, first-time writing. I'm a user of Xiaomi phones since just about a year ago. I went for a mid-range Note 4 because of the massive 4100 mAh battery and the promise of two days' worth of usage unplugged. A year later, I can say I really like this phone. The battery is as promised, camera is okay, can run any game I throw at it. MIUI took some getting used to, so just like we had with Charlie. I only owned Nexuses, or Nexi, until then. Uh, just last week, my wife upgraded to a Note 5. In her words, it looks great. On the downside, most Chinese source phones rarely support Band 20 LTE, which is quite pervasive. GIFGAF, for example, is not an option. On EE, I haven't noticed any subjective lack of speed compared to using a OnePlus 3T. Also, for all practical purposes, there's no warranty, as you need to ship the phone from Hong Kong or Singapore at your own cost. Um, but he points out that the equivalent spec Samsung, which has a smaller battery, uh, would cost about $300. So you can buy three Xiaomi Note 4s for the same price as one of the samsungs um so and, and he points out that you know for anything in this price range you needed to look at something like a, a nexus but they're much more expensive now uh, so he says it's very exciting to finally see them becoming available on the british market and he'd be uh, able to recommend it to friends if it was on amazon so he says cheers i say cheers to you jagos and and also to charlie uh, although charlie said regards but i'm i'll both give you regards and cheers um Ian, pretty co po positive, uh, broadly speaking, good value for the phones, but the UI will need some doctoring. So maybe that's the first thing we should be looking at when these hit the market over here is have they yeah. redone the UI or left it as stock Android, which if, if they did, it sounds like a stonking great purchase. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And this is the this is the good thing, you know, if, if you've got a, a company that, you know, operates entirely in China, then there are some things that make it cheaper uh, I mean if they're not particularly if they're not looking to make a huge profit uh, I mean bearing in mind that you know most manufacturers tend to mark their phones up by about 50% don't they so you you know you, you're paying half of the value of the phone is actual cost and then the other half is profit for, for the premium end of the market um, obviously you could operate on a much lower margin but then that kind of causes problems long term I guess but even so Xiaomi's got this idea, I think, that at least to break in, 
it needs to offer very, very cheap phones to the West uh, that are very competent. Well, thanks very much, guys, for writing in um, with that. Really appreciate the uh, the insight there. Ian, do you want to take the, the next two uh, short emails that we've got here? First one is from Mel. So Mel says, hopefully the BBC's hefty entry to the ad-supported podcast market will attract more businesses and improve the quality adverts in less common markets. For me, here in Norway, the most recent text message ended with an advertisement for a Christmas tree delivery service. I mean, that's I I don't uh, I think that's great. <laughs> like the adverts we get, I, I don't know because we don't hear them, do we? I mean, and I no. don't listen to that version of the show, um, so I'll have to listen in and see what I get. Do you want to take this next this next one? which came in I'm extremely happy about this from Nate not me we have another listener called Nate Nate says you were discussing expiring emails this is already a feature in ProtonMail a high security mail service and it does work as an expiring link optionally password protected hope that helps Nate it does Nate thank you very much um so that's basically what you were positing uh, the new Gmail feature is going to use. This is what ProtonMail um, is already using. Yeah. I have actually heard of ProtonMail, although I have to say the first time I heard of it was um, because Cambridge Analytica's executives were using it. But I know it's extremely popular um, in uh, in security-minded circles. Um, so I might actually give that give it a try. I, I can see that feature working quite well. Well, thank you to everybody for writing in and letting us know your insight and views on your corner of the technology world always please keep them coming in they don't have to be emails about things we've talked about maybe you've got an opinion on something that's happened in the news that week we can always fold that into the show um and thank you to our live listeners who uh contribute to the show as we record um let's check in with tom Merritt of daily tech news show tom what's been going on in the wide world of tech this week Hey, thanks. This week on Daily Tech News Show, all the Azure IoT Edge AI from Microsoft Build and the spooky smart assistant AI from Google I.O. Plus, EA says it won't remove loot boxes from FIFA, despite Belgium and the Netherlands indicating they consider them gambling. What research actually says about digital well-being and a doll that uses fashion and storylines to help kids learn to code. All that and much more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you very much, Tom. And thank you to our patrons supporting us every week, uh, including Stephen Huxtable, Jacob, Sebastian, David Whitney, Daniel Wilkinson, and many others. Uh, thank you f- to you guys. You are keeping Ian and I in ice cubes and clean pants, uh, as we mentioned <laughs> last week, but uh, also food and blankets. If you're not yet a patron and would like to get our ad-free versions, our extended cuts, live streaming, access to our Discord club, as well as our special weekly features and outtakes, head to patreon.com forward slash UK tech to find out how you can support us with zero commitment and instant access to our entire back catalogue of extended shows. Of course, send any comments to hello at techpodcast.uk. Follow us on the Twitters at textmessagepod. And please, please leave a review in iTunes. Um, This is the best way of supporting us for free. It really helps us uh, just as much as financial support. Uh, It's been a little while since we've had any fresh reviews on there. So it'd be fantastic if you're enjoying the show to maybe go over there and let people know. And the more people using that, the higher we rank. And that's good for everybody. And from me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. We'll see you in a week. You're right, mate. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.